When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Oh, a bit going on. Good morning to you and welcome to the Captain's Run. You're with me for the next three hours. Would love your thoughts and your input into the show. It's a big one coming your way. Key player for the undefeated Demons is Alex Neil Bull and he's going to join us out of 10 o'clock. Tom Morris from Fox Sports with all the latest trade rumours and happenings and his thoughts on that as we get a little bit closer to clubs that have players out of contract starting to get... A little bit concerned. Steve McKenna is going to join us. Trevor Lane from LA. What an epic game it was between the LA Lakers and Golden State yesterday with some theatrics and some brilliance from LeBron James. Want to chat about that. The quiz, Chad's brother's quiz, and former Collingwood champion and now Adelaide assistant coach Scotty Burns is going to join us. Great prizes to give away, exclusive prizes here this morning. Double passes to the State of Origin at the MCG, Wednesday 9th of June. The best callers in the first hour and the quiz winner gets. And we've got 10 of them. 10 tickets to the State of Origin. You can't get these tickets. There'll be 100,000 there, government permitted. And we've got them this morning exclusively for the Captain's Run. Looking forward to doing that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. that number. Or if you want to send us a temper text, it's 0433981116. It was an interesting week, so let's start the show with this. Oh, bit of heavy metal music to get us going, and rightly so. So in the AFL, we have some significant rounds that are worthy of extra attention and celebration throughout the long and arduous season. We've got Anzac round, Queen's birthday, Good Friday, Sir Doug Nichols round, the big freeze at the G, and Maddie's match, just to name a few. Unfortunately, round nine of 2021 should have been renamed whinging round. It seemed as though every AFL figure with a platform was unhappy about something and didn't they tell us about it? And if they didn't have a platform, like Giants forward Jeremy Finlayson, they took to Twitter to cry it out. Now, we're all guilty of it, I get it, me including. Last week, I whinged about Richmond's whinging, I get it, before you light up the text machine. But let's have a listen to how last week played out. They don't come. So if you want big crowds, play our home games at the G. Pretty simple solution for mine. Mate, I hate coming here. Probably shouldn't say that, but... Why is that? Hey? Why is that? Well, the MCG's got soul. It's got Richmond people there. Our people don't come here. Plain and simple. 
I don't know. It's just I, I feel for the players. You know, to have 85 and get three holding the ball. It'd be interesting to have a look at how those balls got distributed too. You said it. I didn't say it. It must be frustrating you. Yeah. Well, if that's a, if that's a handball, then jeepers. Yeah, it's good to see the free kicks getting paid. I mean, it's, I think it's a great look for our game. You know, the off-ball stuff. I think we need to let our good players play the game and you know compete really hard when the ball's around. But um, you know it's dangerous as well. You know, when players aren't expecting to get hit. I just think the reaction doesn't necessarily always fit what actually transpired. So we might be talking about three missed holding the balls, let's say. Yep. Over two quarters in our game. When and so that's our challenge, though, right? We we have 36 quarters of footy as our club that we need to navigate successfully every week. And I don't necessarily think that three free kicks missed correlates a need for a Royal Commission. We just presented to the AFL there will be a tipping point where the people on the product will be affected if we go if we cut it too much. Unfortunately, yeah, we're, we're exposing our people and it's, um, yeah, it's hurting. It was a significant cut. There was a lot of people that were uh, lost to our industry. Um, and what I, uh, my biggest fear is that we continue to work people to a level where the cumulative effect starts to kick in and we start to, to wear good people, good football people down our industry and, um, and we lose a lot of people. I think it's really important to understand that the people who work in our industry and our side, in the coaching side, have been whacked really heavily and uh, probably unfairly if we go compared to the rest of the industry. And I think it's something that we, like like Goody said, we won't see the, the devastation, perhaps, of what these cuts have been to the industry until a little bit later on, and that may be too late. That's a real worry for me. Oh, there you have it. There were some of the key voices in the game sharing their displeasure about the way or parts of the way the season is unfolding. Now, thankfully, it appears as though the AFL has gotten into Damien Hardwick's ear. He couldn't have backed away from his post-match hate comments about Marvel quickly enough when he fronted the media on Wednesday. Dave, have you had any feedback from the AFL about Marvel Stadium? What's that? Great place, Marvel. <laughs> Fantastic. Love it. Do, do you stand by the comments after the game? I know oh, listen, hate was a very strong word. We move on pretty quickly. I moved on pretty quickly anyway. Happy to play home games there next year? And the day our players will play anywhere. That's the reality. We're, we're happy to play. We love going to uh, Optus Stadium. We love going to Port Adelaide. They've got great atmosphere. Love going back to the Gabba. It's got fond memories for us this time uh, from last year. So we're happy to go wherever we want to. Just don't love going to Marvel. Oh, not that I don't love going to love. Anyway, moving on. Mm, I get the feeling Richmond won't be complaining about playing there in the future. Interesting. But my question to you this morning is, with crowds at an alarming low and the game still trying to recover from the financial crisis, what responsibility do coaches and club administrators have to talk up the game? So we're going to do that job for them this morning. Round nine of rename whinging round but we're creating our own captain's run theme for round 10. We're going to call it appreciation round this morning. We're going to talk up the game. What has impressed you so far this season? I'm going to start. Melbourne hasn't won a flag since 1964. They're 9-0, and they play the 15th-ranked Crows this week. 10 and zip coming right up. Simon Goodwin and the Ds are playing unbelievable team-first footy. What about the Western Bulldogs? Put them, AFL, in a primetime slot every week. They are a joy to watch. Its collective midfield is up there with Brisbane's Fab Four and the Chris Judd-led Eagles in the early 2000s. What about a 23-year-old, Harry Mackay, on top of the Coleman medal? And Sydney, they finished 16th last year. They won just five games. Well, they've won six already, and they're entrenched in the top eight after round nine, loving the young Swans. And last me, lastly, the best part about this season, there are legitimately seven teams that could win the Premiership leading into round 10. Melbourne, the Dogs, Geelong, Brisbane, Port, West Coast and Richmond. 
it is wide open. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Everyone's done their best, including me, to sook it up and complain about something last week. The game's in pretty good shape. Round ten is appreciation round. It's time to pick up our dummies. What have you liked about the season so far? A team, a player, a coach, an umpire. Who needs some recognition and what are you excited about? Joining the conversation this morning, lines are available. Great prizes to give away. Tickets to State of Origin, if you don't mind. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Yeah, it was a rough week. Everyone's grumpy. Winter's set in. We forgot pretty quickly what happened last year. So let's start to talk up the game this morning or anything else you want to talk about. I'm happy to take your calls on anything, but I just thought it's a good time to perhaps think about what we're thankful for and how the game is going because I reckon on the whole it's in pretty good shape. Prabs is in Canberra. Morning to you, mate. You want to chat about the Bulldogs? Morning, Kenna. Good morning. Sorry, What's mate. your thoughts on the dogs? i got a question for you, mate. A couple, two, actually. The thing is, dogs as good as they're going, they're conceding goals in cluster. They have done that against all the... Uh, they have done that in all the nine rounds. Like, they take the huge lead and then concede the lead, but they claw their back. So is it their, the way, their game style which is doing it, or is it the personal? Uh, good on you, mate. Oh, I, I think... Yeah, what's your last one? Second one is the brown roll sometimes seems unfair, man. Like... Bond got an absolute, did a smashing performance against West Coast, Port Adelaide, who are, who is going to be two top eight teams, but he's only going to get three, three votes for those two games. But whereas North Melbourne, any, even a Footscray VFL side could have won that game and someone else gets the same three votes. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Brownlow is an interesting one. I, I would take it out of the hands of the umpires. I think they're, they're, their job is so hard at the moment to do what they're doing and that's been highlighted this week with the holding the balls. I'd give it to an All-Australian-style committee to vote on that. And in terms of the dogs, I've got not one concern about the Western Bulldogs. The, the way that they play is, is high risk, high reward. In the end, you're going to give the opportunity some um, chance to score with the high possession game that you play. Not one concern for me if I was a Western Bulldog supporter I would be the happiest out of any supporter group at this early stage in the season. Brock's on the road what's impressed you this year mate? I think you know the answer to this one uh, Kano the Saints and uh, Big Maxi King. Yeah, he's, well he's, talk to uh, me about if, it. If you see what he's if you see what he's doing at 20 years old in his second years and uh, what he take nine marks on the weekend and had six or seven shots at goal but he wasn't doing that in 2006. No other key forward, forward in the last 15 years has been doing that in their second year of footy. And as soon as it clicks for him and his goal-kicking starts uh, improving, it gets to 60 or 70% with his goal-kicking, mate, he'll be unstoppable. And he'll be the next best forward since, you know, the Lockett and the Carey era. OK, not, you, you, you're prone to making a big statement, Brock, and comparing Max King to Lockett and Kerry is one of those. But, look, he's tracking magnificently, and I don't want to repeat myself, but I've got no, not one concern over the Western Bulldogs. I've got zero concern about Max King, not one. His, his goal-kicking action is actually sound. It, it's not as if, you know, technique-wise, he's awful. Uh, very fixable. It's already pretty compact in the way that it, it moves, and... 
you can tell that he cares about it and he will work hard to fix it, uh, which absolutely he can. So no concerns for me. Brock's pumped up about Max King. He's competing to Lockett and Carey. It's off to a good start this morning. James is in Mitcham. Mate, what have you enjoyed this year so far? Mate, just the style of play, the free-flowing footy, it, it really reminds me of the 90s, you know. Um, the man on the mark not being able to move has really opened up the game and just it's the return of the big forward, you know. We might see someone kick 100 again. It's just I'm really appreciating the style of footy the AFL is spitting out this year. Style of footy, says James. Yeah, it's, yeah I think, look, we're not whinging this morning, so we're talking up the game, so I won't... I, I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of the stand rule, and I saw the AFL uh, write an article yesterday, Kautumi, um saying how well it has worked. I'm not sure the stand rule, the judge of success, is how many 50 metre penalties have been given against. But on the whole, players have never been fitter, never been faster, never been tougher, and the game is in really good shape. Look, I can't wait for tonight's game. I can't wait for for most of the games across round nine. We don't get too many. Fizzes. So, tend to agree with you, mate. Appreciate your thoughts. Uh, is it Josie in Hastings? Good morning. Jose, mate. Good morning to you, mate. Yeah, good. A few quick ones, Kane. Um, so, number one, team selections back on a Thursday night. Thank God. It's brilliant. Uh, number two, have a look at the three three teams at the top. Melbourne, Bulldogs and uh, Brisbane up that their VFL teams are flying as well. And I've always thought if your VFL team is strong and flying, those teams, they're playing great football and they'll go deep in September because they've got the depth there. And another one, if you want to improve the game even more, I'm a big fan of getting rid of that nominated third man up thing. Just ball yeah. it up. If a third man goes up, we call it. And the other one is, I reckon, the last touch out of bounds. That'll stop a lot of uh, congestion and stoppages and uh, and stop Ruckman just coming over the top and just thumping out of bounds with intent. So, Absolutely. Uh, in a word, in a word, who wins the flag from here? Oh, look, my son-in-law's a D supporter. He's got my little grandson on the D's bandwagon as well. Uh, got him a, a membership. So uh, I'm a Hawks supporter. We can't win it, obviously. I'll uh, I'll jump on the D's. It'll be good to see them get up, I think, for me, uh, for me son-in-law. In a word, the D's. Good man. Rowan is in Bacchus March. G'day, Rowan. G'day, Kane. Uh, I just want to start off by saying I appreciate you and your comments. Uh, one of the highlights of my week on SEN. Thank you. Good on you, mate. Um, I, pre- I appreciate the AFL. Uh, in uh, only, We can recognise the supporters that are trying to improve the game, so I recognise that. Uh, I appreciate my beautiful spouse. We're going to get engaged this weekend, and uh, well, oh. I've proposed to her. So we're going to stay in the city and go watch our, our mighty bullies take on Saints. So Magnificent. Gonna, What's her name, Rowan? Her name's Samantha McArdle. She's the beautifulest woman in the whole world. Congratulations, Rowan and Samantha. Engage this week. They're going to celebrate to go and watch the footy. How good is this? It's appreciation round on the captain's run this morning. What a call that was. Might put you back to Benny, mate. We'll find you one of those double passes to the State of Origin, the MCG, Wednesday, the 9th of the June. Um, you take along, Samantha, and go and watch one of the great sporting contests that we have in Australia. Andrew's on the line. Appreciation, mate. What do, has impressed you this year? Oh, I think virtually all the all the sides, which um, even Collingwood with their ups and downs, I, I think this, this year has to go down as one of the best years of AFL football for a long, long time. And uh, I'm just wrapped that, um, that, you know, hopefully we can see Melbourne Bulldogs play off in the grand final. That would be a fantastic situation. 
Um, and, and, and even, um, you, know, you know, watching games on TV, some of these games which are not like, you know, Sydney, you know, Fremantle, um, St Kilda, you know, even Adelaide, you know, there, there's been games where they're all been, you know, they've been right in and they've been, you know, giving us heaps of entertainment and enjoyment. And I just mm. just hope this continues over the next couple of years, you know, and people get back to the game watching it live. And and, uh, and and even Collingwood with its um, bad rap this year, they've been in the news nearly every day, and all 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 um, uh, uh, media, uh, you know, getting onto you know getting the news out from them has has been fantastic because it's good news from them, bad or good, you know, it's been. They, they, they'd be, they must be wrapped in their media. Any department. publicity is good publicity. 1-300-736-736. Taking your calls. Um, last week was a whinging round. This week is appreciation round. Brendan is on. No, in fact, we'll go to Matt. Hi to you, Matt. Morning, Kane. How are you? Good. Good. Okay. So, um, I know your role is to play little shock job, but it's important to tell the truth when the truth needs to be told. Hey, hang on, no. hang, Matt, 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 my role isn't to play shock jock. My role is to have an opinion and call it as I see it. Now, if you want to call it shock jock, you can, but don't come on here and be a smart aleck. Come on here, make your point. If I agree with it, I'll agree with it. If I disagree, I'll disagree and we'll debate like we do on this show. Sure. Um, did whinging round start in round nine or did whinging round start in about round six when the whole prison bar rubbish started? Well, um, I have not seen the amount of whinging that I've seen last round across the board was the point I was going to make. And you've heard two minutes of audio. We could have extended that to 10. Um, and it was topical, the prison bars, because it was leading up to the showdown where Port Adelaide wanted to wear the jumper. And unfortunately, the AFL took for a week before that game to announce they weren't allowed to wear it. So clearly it was going to be topical leading into that game. Hmm. But it was also topical when St Kilda got room for uh, three free kicks from 87 tackles. It, it, it was topical with, with that, and that's fine. But what, 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 I don't know what the point you're trying to make. What, what's the point well, you're trying to make? Is, just, just spit okay. it out. Don't come on here all cryptic. Just have an opinion and give it to me straight. What's your point? It's not, it's not cryptic. You started whinging in round six, not round nine. And you can't have a crack at other people for whinging when... I would say you're one of the, the starters of it with Koshy and Eddie. Did, did I, did I say that? Matt, Matt, did I say that in my no, opening? No, Every, I, am, I am guilty of it. I said it. I'm guilty of it. Yeah, in round nine. But it started a month before that. Of course it started in the lead-up to the showdown because it was one yeah. of the hottest talking points and we weren't the only ones having our say on it. It was in the lead-up to the showdown where they wanted to wear their Guernsey. It was denied for whatever reason by the AFL, which was ridiculous. And, of right. course, it was going to be a talking point. I agree. But oh, so we, so we agree. Every, no, no, I think everything is topical in its moment. That's my point. And I think what supporters want more than anything at the moment is they want honesty and the truth. They don't want someone weighing down your back and telling you it's raining. So and who's doing Ratton that? Wants to have a crack about, if Brett Ratton wants to have a crack about um, how poor the umpiring was on Friday night, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you guys having a crack about the prison bars. But... You know, everyone's got an opinion, and everyone wants to raise it at a certain point in time. So, yeah, I, 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 no, I'm, no, I'm big for I'm big for honesty, and I don't want boring people in the media who just say positive things like we do see on our TV screens a lot. 
but it felt like it was extreme is the point I'm trying to make. And I thought it would be a good opportunity to come on and perhaps chat about some positive things that are going on and how quickly we forget where we were last year. And as I said, off the top, three times I'm as guilty as anyone in this. We'll get to Brendan, Tim, Paul, Alex and Scott on the other side of this. Yeah, get involved. We've got uh, exclusive prizes here. Nine double passes, if you don't mind, to the State of Origin at the MCG. That's Wednesday the 9th of June for the best callers of the first hour. And also for those, or that one lucky person who wins the quiz. Brendan's been waiting patiently. Uh, what's impressed you this year, mate? Okay, Kane. Um, so there's five players at Melbourne who have stood up for yeah, careless years. Everyone knows. Traka, Gorn, uh, Oliver, Lever, mate. And this yep. year we've had another five who stepped up that no one's talking about, and I'm, rightly so, because they're not household names. That's you, Charlie Spargo, Ed Langdon, uh, Jaden Hunt, Alex Gilborn, and I forgot the Tread Rivers. I think these blokes are going to have just as much as say for us come finals time as the five stars we have. Their work rate, their decision-making has just been amazing so far this year. And I think uh, come finals time, they're going to make a big difference for us as a, as a team, let alone individual players you know, doing their own role. So I think yeah. Well said, mate. And Alex Neil Bullen's going to join us this morning. He's one of those. At, um, to Gary Lyon's credit, I reckon uh, Charlie Spargo was on his radar maybe five weeks ago when I joined the guys on Monday. So have a look at what this guy's doing. So he identified his role as well. But they are flying as well. Good on you, mate. Tim's in Blackburn. Um, I don't have any concerns over the dogs. Tim, do you? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, and I've known a few dog supporters that agree with me. Um, Kane, I'm also a Melbourne supporter. So I want to ask you a question. What, what wins big games? What wins finals? Well, it depends. It depends what style you play. Now, they won a premiership in 2016 with a different style, but in the end, it's it, it is that contested footy. I think midfields that stand up and how efficiently you can use the ball is what you can bank on uh, in big finals. Okay. Well, my only thing is. Carlton kicked 91 against them. I analyse footy quite a bit. Carlton kicked 91 against them. Richmond exposed them big time with height. Lynch killed mm. them that night. Rewild play well. I think the proof will be in the pudding next week at Telstra Dome. It's an, an easier ground to defend than the MCG because I know it's a fast track, but you can mm. defend it a lot easier because it's not as big. Um, and I think the proof will be in the pudding next week when Melbourne kick a bigger score than the Bulldogs. All right, we'll wait and see. I reckon the Bulldogs on Marvel play that ground better than any team play any ground in the comp. So that will be a massive matchup across the Dogs. Won't have it all their own way against the Saints either. We are up and running on the captain's run. We're going to get to Paul, Alex, Scott and Chris and Snowy in Torquay. Great prize to give away joining the conversation with us this morning. Tom now for the 9.30 news headlines. The news headlines, the temper text is 043981116 for temper, a mattress like no other. Lots of those coming through. Apologies, we haven't gotten to many of those yet, but we prefer your calls, so give us a call like Paul has done. Who's going to play off in the grand final? Paul, welcome to the captain's run. The Naughty Dogs and the Ds. I agree with you, Kane. I'm a Doggies member. I've got no concerns about the dogs. Some people try to overanalyse things, but uh, look, I'm sitting very comfortably where we're at. We've got good depth. And wouldn't it be good for a 1954 grand final replay? Dogs and Ds. Be fantastic. 
That would be it would be good. I'd I'd prefer my Port Adelaide to be in there, but I don't think they're quite going to be good enough. And they're the best two teams in it right now. But as I said in the top, I think there's seven teams that legitimately can still win the premiership. What a great position for the AFL uh, to be in. Alex is on the line. What's your thoughts, Alex? Hey, Shane, can you hear me, mate? Loud and clear. Yeah, beautiful. Um, yeah, look, um, I appreciate everything you, uh, all your work um, on a Friday morning. It's something I get up to before I go to the gym. Thank um, you, mate. So Thank you, mate. Uh, I love your thoughts. Um, I'm just really excited. I think we're all in for a treat. Uh, Footy fans are going to be all united for the next three Friday night games. Um, I think the AFL have got it right. I don't know if they had a crystal ball, but um, the next three Friday nights are really going to determine whether or not Melbourne's a contender or a pretender. Um, we've got um, the Lions up there. Uh, we've got the Bulldogs. Um, I'd love to know what your prediction would be uh, for the next three Friday night games. So tonight the Lions play Richmond. I think Brisbane too good. Uh, so I think they'll win, but it you know, won't. Um, it wouldn't shock me if Richmond won and, and um, furthermore if they do lose Richmond I won't lose too much confidence depending on how they go about it with the injuries they've got round 11 is next week Western Bulldogs Melbourne I think at Marvel right now a lot to go under the bridge before then but I think Western Bulldogs at Marvel just are so difficult to beat and then Melbourne and the Lions the following Friday night yeah, you're right three genuinely great Friday night games that's been the blessing of the rolling fixture I guess the downside is it. I think it has impacted crowds with supporters not knowing and not being able to plan their lives in and around the footy season, which is what a lot of you do, I know, with travel and which games you want to see and family events and weddings and all sorts of things, often, as funny as it sounds, dictated by the footy season. And then Thursday night footy starts in round 13, of course, Port Adelaide and Geelong. That'll also be a good one. Good call. Um, Alex, appreciate your thoughts. Now, Tara is on the road and she wants to acknowledge the AFL and by extension the media. Tara, what's your story and welcome? Good morning. I'm really sorry. I'm actually so nervous. I'm shaking. Oh, you're fine. My, um, my dad was a television cameraman for Foxtel. Um, he also worked freelance. He worked freelance um, and he unexpectedly passed away probably, oh my God, I can't even think. I think it's like five weeks. Um, mm. But AFL United, Dad and I, we, I'm a mad Collingwood supporter. He was a mad Richmond supporter. And to have the AFL and the media reach out to me and my family, like, he's such a small fish in a huge industry. Um, I think the AFL and the media, like, they get such a bad rap sometimes. But they have been phenomenal for us and my family. And I just... You're so right. We are so quick to whinge. Life is so short. And the things people carry on about is ludicrous when you go through something like we're going through at the moment. Mm. So I really appreciate the positivity um, that you're trying to bring to to everyone, I guess. I think, yeah, I just I appreciate that and I appreciate the, that landscape as a whole. It's been phenomenal. So, What was his yeah, name, so Tara? Uh, his name was Jeffrey Biggs. Biggs, so, Biggs, a lot of. Jeffrey Biggs was his name. Condolences, honestly, from everyone. Heartbreaking what you've been through. I'm so glad you've called us and shone a light on um, the good things that the AFL and the media can do because, as you say, they do get a good rap. So, to the, the Biggs family, our massive condolences and heartfelt. 
Um, yeah, condolences to you and your family. Really appreciate your call and what would have been a difficult phone call to make. Um, well done to you. And might put you back to Benny um, because I'm sure we can find you a double for either you or your family to go along and perhaps take your mind off things for a short period of time at the State of Origin on Wednesday, June the 9th. Thank you for your story, Tara. We appreciate it. That's what makes Talkback Radio um, so special. Scott is in Craigieburn. Hi, Scott. Morning. Uh, that's a hard call to follow. Uh, uh, that's all right, mate. Yeah, you want to, um, and thank you for your thoughts as well, uh, you want to speak about a big ruckman who's rejuvenated his career? Oh, mate. Um, we recruited this guy in the off-season, and I watched him play a couple of practice matches, and I thought, he, he ain't getting the game. He looked like an international ruckman, guy who came over from America, <laughs> who had no idea about AFL. And then he's come out during the season, and he's just, them apart. He's like a racehorse that just doesn't put in on training day and then comes to the track, flares the nostrils and away he goes. And he's, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll make a big statement. He's the, Tom Hickey is the best ruckman the Swans have had since Jason Ball. That's like 16 years. What I've seen of this guy, he's, he's transformed our midfield. We've gone from like an old, slow, bumbling midfield. And I'm telling you, we are one of the best midfields in the comp. Right, you can laugh about it. But no, no, I, I, I haven't. Look, to be fair, I haven't gone back and studied Sid, Sidney's ruckman in the last thirty years. But uh, I'll take your word for it because I love your passion. But he's, what is he? The second or th- sorry, the third or fourth best ruckman probably right now. Um, and got him for not a lot. Lot fourth club for Tom Hickey and um, has been so important. So I love the story of the Swans this year. Sixteenth last year, as I said in the top, we win five games and they're, they're just a great club, aren't they? Just a great, just a good example to others who are thinking about rebuilding their whole place and, and ruining the joint for a good five to six years on how you can rebuild on the run. Great call, Scott. Appreciate it, mate. Chris is in. In fact, I'll put Scott back as well. We've got prizes coming out of our backside this morning so um, another ticket to the State of Origin for Scotty, put you back to Ben mate congratulations, Chris is in Newport one man is doing things in the AFL that I'm not sure we've seen ever before his name is Cozzy Pickett, Chris Oh mate, Kane, what a delight it is to go to the football and I mean obviously we are being spoiled as Melbourne supporters at the moment especially after such a long drought but I go to the football just excited when Cozzy's even anywhere near the ball. Mm. Uh, forget the, like, the goal on the weekend, the around-the-corner kick. That's great. I actually get more excited about his defensive pressure because that's what's winning us games is our defensive pressure. And, I mean, it's not just Cozzy. It's also A&B and uh, Charlie Spargo as well up in our forward line, along with the rest of the team. But Cozzy, just any time he's anywhere near it, you hear the crowd start saying, Cozzy, where's Cozzy? Like, if it's going into uh, Ben Brown or Tommy Mack at the moment because he's bringing so many balls to ground, and you just feel the crowd get the fervour about them because they know that there's a chance that Cozzy's going to get the ball. And we all just kind of like, where's Cozzy, where's Cozzy? And then he just bobs his head up. And even on the games when he hasn't had, like, a great um, uh, offensive game, his defence, or even his inferred defence of, you can just tell that the players around him are bloody nervous because they're like, mm. where is he? And he's so fast. He, he made a rundown tackle last week that was just phenomenal. And it just lifts the entire team and it lifts the entire crowd. And I think that's what we're riding the wave on at the moment is like that, just that pressure that keeps on coming and keeps on coming and keeps on coming. And we've been challenged in every single game so far this year. And it's that pressure and that defensive mindset. And although I love our attack as well, our defensive mindset, especially in our forward uh, line, led by Cosby, I think, is what's making Melbourne such a good team right now. Good on you, mate. That's a, it's a great call. And it's a, 
excellent example for someone like Hawthorne who can change the trajectory of the club through one draft. And that's what Melbourne did with some innovation, with some forward thinking, with some trading out picks and getting two elite picks and identifying what your team needs. And it can change pretty quickly. I know there's experience around there and they had a great list as it was, but... Luke Jackson and Cosie Pickett putting bums on seats and have changed the whole attitude at Melbourne. Same can be done at Hawthorne through one or two drafts, is what I would say. Now, Tara's call has had an unbelievable reaction on the temper text. 0433981116. Beautiful call from Tara. Much love. We appreciate you. Was wonderful, says Stuart. I'm not crying. You are. Hi, Kane. All the best to Tara. She made me tear up. She was so brave to make that phone call, says Alison. Tara, sending you love from my family to yours. Rip Briggsy, says Dan. God bless Tara. That was lovely to listen to, says um, Duna. And well said, Tara. Best wishes to you and your family, says Matt. We'll get to Snowy, Mark in Brighton, Steve, and Ian's in Tassie on the other side of this. 14 minutes to 10 o'clock. It's good morning to you at 16 past nine. If you are listening to us on SENSA in Adelaide, taking your calls right throughout the morning. Still to come, Alex Neil Bullen from the Undefeated Demons, Tom Morris. We're going to go to LA and speak about the epic play-in game in the NBA between the Lakers and the Warriors yesterday. We've got the quiz and Scotty Burns from the Adelaide Football Club. Snowy is in Torquay. He wants to speak about concussion. Hi, Snowy. Okay, mate. How are you? I love your work. Good. Thank you. Just quickly, uh, it's not normally for me to give a rap to the AFL because I'm normally bagging them, but um, just in Same. terms of bringing in a policy to, <laughs> to to take care of the well-being and the longevity of our players' careers, you can see the NRL brought in the same policy and, and Matty Johns mentioned it on, on ECN as well in terms of taking care of the well-being when players are getting concussed. We've seen players have retired recently due to subsequent and several concussions they've experienced throughout their career. We can see Tim English has had a spell on the sidelines for four weeks and I think clubs and trusting the doctors to make the call to take care of the players' well-being in the long term uh, is only a positive thing and even though you know we don't want to see players out for too long, things like concussion and the long-term effects of that and the, the, the mystery about the long-term effects, I think it can only be a positive thing when, when we're bringing in policies such as these. And I think there was a bit of an uproar and a controversy in the NRL policy, but, you know, all the players are supportive of it, so I think it's only a positive thing at the end of the day. Good on you, mate. Concussion, a positive move from the AFL this year, says Snowy. Hard to disagree with that. Mark's in Brighton. Uh, Chris Judd's on your radar, Mark. Yeah, Kane, I love State of Origin, mate. But what's happening <laughs> with Carlton in terms of on-field performance? Terrible. We're chasing uh, Jordan Lewis, chasing Lepic. It's all uncoordinated. And the invisible man, never hear from him, mate. You go to the Carlton website, every news story you see, there's a sponsor and you see Judd's head. But where is he, mate? I don't see him coming out. They're leaving it to Teague to be the spokesman for the club Mm. on everything. Where are these guys? Where's Lloyd? Where are they, mate? Where's the accountability? I reckon he's resigning this year, his post just to go out of clean skin because if we continue to perform like this and we're down the bottom, mate, his legacy is going to be achieved nothing off the field. It's interesting um, the media strategies of different clubs. Like Most clubs have a spokesperson for their club, so you don't get get mixed messages or you don't get um, too many confusing situations. So if you look at... Carlton, really the spokesperson is David Teague uh, and, I, and and that's the case because he's required to do a certain amount of media performances every week but you, you don't hear a lot from 
from the others. You, you don't hear much from, from Kane Little. You certainly don't hear much from Lagoudiche. You know, he's, he's moving on. And you don't hear anything from Chris Judd. Now, he made a conscious decision from step away from his media role not to be conflicted. I would like to hear a little bit more. I'd like to hear Brad Lloyd speak a little bit more. Um, don't hear much from him, but once again, there is a hierarchy of the media communications, and we see it at, at all clubs. That's why you don't get a lot of list managers speaking publicly at clubs, and clubs get themselves into trouble like we saw at Collingwood when that happens. So I don't mind a streamlined media approach, but I think your point is, is right, Mark, in terms of the messaging coming out of Carlton, and it is a little bit mixed at the moment. That is fair to say, on and off the field. Ian's in Tassie. Hey, also continue the Carlton discussion. Good. Can you hear me okay? Coming through beautifully. Okay. What I want to say is, first of all, the coaches go and cook about 20-minute quarters. They're all 20 minutes. The time on that brings it up to 36. They're not playing in that time. Correct. Surely they can add up. And and if if they go back to last year, you'll lose everyone. Everyone's enjoying their footy now. But I, I can see them reducing it to 18 or 16 minutes. And really... Why don't they need to change flag when they close the interchanges? It'll, when they kick a goal, they've got to run 200 metres. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm very happy with the length of the game right now. And that, that's another thing, isn't it, that they've been whinging about, the coaches and the players. I'm, I'm very happy with it. If you want to reduce the time, reduce the time after a goal's kicked, reduce the amount of time the umpires blow their whistle and stop the clock, get the ball up quicker, and that will reduce the game. We don't need to reduce the length of the quarter. I think um, it's always been a war of attrition, and I love that about our game, and it caters for all types. To reduce it does make it more suited to those aerobic animals, sorry, those powerful animals like Dangerfield and these players who talk a lot about the length of the game. Good on you, Ian. Uh, Steve's in Noble Park. G'day, Steve. G'day, Kane. How are you? Thanks for having the call, mate. Pleasure. I just want to... Bring, a, bring to the attention of an, an enormous effort by a young, well, not, not so much a young fellow these days, a bandit on a golf course, but Kev Chili Sagoda is going to umpire his 900th amateur umpires game in four weeks' time. 900? Um, 900. Yep. So he's dedicated his, his sporting uh, life to um, the ammos and um, he'll, uh, he'll don the white probably the last time this year uh, towards the end of the season but uh, he'll notch up 900 amateur umpire games and that's just uh, phenomenal effort. It, it is. He would have seen a few things, Steve. Yeah, well he's umpired uh, Gil McLaughlin and a uh, number of uh, AFL stars so uh, Gil was at his 800th game um, so um, he's a bit of a bit of an icon around the amateurs. Small in well, I can't say small in stature because uh, he's <laughs> Carrying a bit these days, Kane, but uh, <laughs> he, he's a, a very well-known character around the uh, MO. So, what's his name again, Steve? Sorry, what's his name again? Kevin Chili Segota. Kevin Chili Segota, congratulations to everyone here on the Captain's Run. 900 games is a phenomenal achievement and well worthy of recognition. Thanks for shining a light on that for us, Steve. We'll get to Mick, Dimitri, and Scotty after this short break. Felt like last week we were complaining a lot, but what have you liked about the season? Still got about six or seven of those doubles to the State of Origin Wednesday 9th of June for the best callers of the morning. We've got seven left, one of them's for the quiz, so get involved and join in the conversation. Tom Morris with all the trade news. Shortly we're going to go to LA and get the latest on the NBA playoffs. The quiz and Scotty Burns coming up, but right now it's time to get a Special guest on. He's part of the undefeated top of the table Melbourne Football Club and 
his career resurrection, I guess, has been significant. It's time now for this. Alex Neil Bullen has three goals this season. This will be the most difficult set shot he'll kick. He's on the boundary. He comes around. Right foot kick. Looks pretty good. That is spectacular from Alex Neil Bullen. Alex, thanks for your time. G'day, Kane. How you going, mate? Winning's fun, mate. You've, you've been to many Monday morning meetings on the back of a loss in your short career. Um, it's much better when you're winning, clearly. Yeah, that's probably probably been the, the highlight of this, this nine weeks. Uh, has been coming in on a Monday and understanding that your, your back's not against the wall on performance-wise and um, it's something that the club's very proud of and I guess we've, we've set ourselves up to be in this position but we, we also understand each week's another huge challenge and that for us is heading to the Adelaide Oval, which uh, you're very familiar with. And I, I'm, I'm an Adelaide boy, so I understand the power that the, the Adelaide Crows fans um, have for their team. Mm. Yeah, it'll be a beautiful day, beautiful conditions tomorrow, twilight, Adelaide Oval. Sets it up for a good one. Crows not playing too bad, but I, I'm interested in whether you can pinpoint it. And we've all had our crack at working out what's going so well for Melbourne. I, I guess the team-first aspect of what you're doing has been significant. Is there... One or two things that you can identify? Yeah, probably one thing I, I think is crucial for a high-performing team in our sense is each week, uh, yes, we've been on the, the good result of the, the win or a loss record, but no matter if how we perform, we always are looking for opportunities. So, for example, we'll come in on a Monday, um, look at opportunities that we did things well, but also look for opportunities that we can keep improving. So it's always having that mindset to become the best team that we want to. And we understand right now we aren't where we want to be each weekend and we're always looking for, for areas to get better in. And then as soon as we do that on the Monday morning, we're, we're literally looking on to the next opponent um, that earlier in the week. So we've been looking at Adelaide since Monday. Um, we've got a clear image now of what, what their strengths are and what we need to do to beat them. And I feel like that, for, for an organisation in sport or anything is not to, to look too far behind and always be looking forward to the next challenge because otherwise you can get bogged up in where you've been and you, you, mm. you know, you're not focused on what's ahead. So I think that's something that we've really done well as a footy club, driven by our leaders in uh, Simon Goodwin and Alan Richardson. And I guess the pressure on spots is significant enough motivation to make sure you're not slipping. So at some point, you know, not many go through undefeated. There's going to be a few hiccups along the way. It's a long season, but that pressure for spots and Ben Brown's been omitted after just three games. He's been reasonable too. Did, did that surprise you? Yeah, it's it, it's a tough it's a, it's a tough part of this organisation each weekend. Um, yeah, you have blokes that will always be unlucky um, for omissions, but for Brownie in Brownie's case, he understands now what this footy club is about. And speaking to him yesterday on the phone, um, he understands this is a long journey and he's well a part of this football club. And he knows it was never going to be easy, but he understands where this team's going and he's a huge part of where we're going. So we've all we've all been, I guess, ha- had hurdles that we've had to overcome. And I generally believe in having a hurdle or two um, is, good, is good for the person and the team because it means you've got to keep working and everyone is on their toes. Is that something you'd often do, uh, call a player who has been omitted from the team? Well, yeah, to be, to be fair, I, I've, I've been on the, the end of them um, probably the last three years as well where, you know, you get, you get the call from the coach or you get called in the office and you've been left out for the team. And every time that happened to me, um, when, when there was support from a teammate, uh, I, I got a lot out of that and you instantly feel better about yourself, although it's a hard situation. 
understanding that your teammates, you know, are there for you and understand that, you know, that there's an elephant in the room at times when someone does be omitted. So I always make a, a conscious effort of getting around the person, not, not to make them feel good, but purely just to make sure that they know how I feel about them in the team. Cause I know if I'm on that, the other end of that, I like to hear that and I, I get a lot out of it. So yeah, it's something I make an effort in and um, I know that the footy club in general do a really good job of that. That's good to see. Um, you are in the leadership group now. What, uh, input does the leadership group have into who plays on the weekend? Oh, I wouldn't say we have too big of an impact. We we can voice our opinion in our leadership group meeting, but we're not there, match committee. But I, I wouldn't say that from the leaders to the coaches, we do have uh, a very even opinion on where this footy club is. And I feel like that's been a, a huge part of our success is there's no hierarchy at this football club. Everyone is allowed to voice their opinion and we are all going for that one one ultimate success of a premiership. Mm. I love Mark Williams and I know he's been spoken about a lot and he, he gets asked about and um, most people have been <laughs> unbelievably complimentary of the influence he has had. But, but what about for you? Is, have you worked closely with him and, and what impact has Choco made? Yes, Choco is one of a kind. Um, he, I'll paint a picture for you. My first day uh, was before Christmas so we didn't have to go back to training just yet um, being a senior player. Well, I went for one of the, the early sessions and I'd never met Choco before and I, I walk up on the oval, he's out there in his full gear, boots, socks and all. <laughs> and I shake his hand, g'day mate, I'm Alex from Bullen. He goes, g'day Alex, how you going? I'm like, good, good. I ask him like, how are you mate? And he goes, none of that. So let's talk about you. What, how many goals have you kicked in a game before? And straight away, he was looking for the best version of myself and wanted me to believe that I can do that each week. So he, he kind of changed your mindset around, yeah, you're a, you can be a role player, you can you know, always try your best, but having that mentality that you're here to impact and you're here to be a great player, not a good player. So that's probably been his biggest impact for me individually. And then as a team, like I, there's not too many people in the footy industry that I have seen have an impact like he has at a footy club in such a short period of time. And we've, we've had people who have had him as coaches who have coached with him against him and he's always always had that intensity about him but he's got that good intensity that gets the best out of the individuals he works with yeah it's a shrewd appointment and most of the teammates and people at melbourne have said exactly the same it's a great insight what about adam Muse as well the influence has he got senior coach written all over him yeah yeah i've seen that's been documented throughout the media that he's a man in waiting i've i've been really impressed with those calmness around the footy club no matter what's going on mid-game in the middle of the week he just has this calmness to him that yeah he's very approachable you can talk about footy you can talk about stuff away from footy and that for me and as a, a player that's been in the system now for seven years um, you, you've seen a few people come through and I can sense that if Ooze was to get a, a senior gig one day he would have a great relationship from the youngest player on the list to, to the oldest player on the list so that for me speaks very highly of his capabilities. But in saying that, I would love to see him at this footy club for, for 10 mm. years because he's doing a tremendous job. Alex Neil Bullen, uh, Melbourne Ford, joins us this morning. The Demons undefeated 9-0 and coming to Adelaide to play the Crows tomorrow at 4.35. Um, Christian Petrarca spoke on Gary and Tim during the week. I just want to have a listen to this and get your thoughts on the other side. I think, I think the biggest thing that I loved about him is that the fact that he, the club sort of wanted to get rid of him 
and again, the maturity piece for him to come back mm. and sort of come back and go, well, I, I like the fact he sort of stuck it back up at the club, to be honest. <laughs> it's sort of similar to Alex Newbull, and they wanted to trade him too, and uh, he's come back and in the leadership group, and um, he's developed as a great, uh, a great forward as well. So, First player he's referring to is, of course, Tom McDonald, and then you uh, win it yeah. as well. Can you take me back to that time when the, when the club were looking to explore their options with you and how difficult it was? Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's it's something that you, as a player, you've got to understand over time. It's part of the organisation, but no doubt, it's a difficult conversation for for me to hear and also the club to have. But it was at the end of the season last year in the hub, and we just had a, a great conversation um, about where the club was going and where they they saw me, and they they had the respect level towards myself to tell me where they honestly sat instead of blindsiding me waiting waiting to the trade period so that for me I had a great relationship with Goody because he's been there since day one and Tim Lamb the list manager so I got a lot of respect from that so whatever would have was going to happen um, I, I was I was willing to to go ahead with it but at the same time as soon as the trade period finished um, Goody I'm no it's after the trade period finished Goody called me and said how you feeling mate you ready to go and that, for me, I was already in the mindset of, I can't wait to get back. Like, you know, you know everyone, I'm going to train the house down. All that's going through my head. But just to have him call me and say, look, mate, this is, you're still a part of our club and you're not just a part of our club. You're a huge impact on this footy club. And from that moment, that was, oh, I don't even know when the trade period finished, but it was well before training started. And then I just had that in the back of my head through when I was running at the Cornell Global, sorry heart there, just making sure that I knew if I did the work and I came with the right attitude that, he wasn't looking at me as a player that they wanted to get rid of. He's looking at me as a player, as a core part of this footy club. And I feel like I've done that so far this year. And that's something I'm going to keep driving until um, the end of this season. So, yeah, it's definitely a hard conversation. I'm not sure if you ever had to go through anything mm. like that, but it's something that you, you do get a lot of personal development out of as well. It's sort of, you get a little bit angry and a little bit offended, I guess, but then you can turn that into, certainly I did, it happened to me in 2009, you can turn it into some sort of motivation and then to see the, the rewards that you've got. And I think it's a credit to Simon Goodwin as well for his dealings with you and also Tom McDonald and the clean slate yeah. that has proven to be pretty significant. Uh, Luke Jackson, good to go. He's been so important. How special is he? Yeah, I just I love Jacko purely because he, he doesn't get hung up on anything. He He's a carefree kind of attitude and I feel like that's really helping his footy at the moment and he's he's a crucial part of the success we're having early on in this season and mate in another sign of um, I'm just going to get off the field here for a second so so cryptocurrency's gone nuts Bitcoin all, all of it has just gone but now mainstream in the media so the Melbourne Footy Club has teamed up with Coinjar so you've partnered together it's the first time a cryptocurrency has sponsored in the AFL are the boys into their crypto Oh, there's there's a few so-called experts out there in the footy club, but I'm I'm keen to speak to Coinjar directly just to make sure I get a clear understanding because there's a few few little experts getting their opinions around. So now that now that they've come on board, I'm I'm very yeah. keen to talk to them about it. Good man. Hey, um, I've loved your season. It's been the story of the year for me. That the turnaround in it, the way that you're playing, the team first attitude's been amazing, and your form sensational. Continue that, mate, and and hopefully we speak to you a little bit closer to finals. Thanks, Kane. Appreciate it, mate. Good on you. Alex Neil Bullen, what a chat.
Doesn't he speak well? So CoinJar is an Australian Melbourne-based cryptocurrency exchange where you can buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all the other cryptocurrencies. There's millions of them out there at the moment. From one side, uh, Gary Lyon and Mark Robinson and Gary's comments, I think it was on Wednesday, pretty insightful ones. I know I got a strong reaction from the audience out there and the role that the media has in, in their comments and the comments that they make of players and the responsibility that goes with it. We'll get you the calls and thoughts on that very, very shortly. Don't forget First Crack Sunday nights with our next guest, Tom Morris, Lee Montagna and David King. That one happens after bounce at around 8.30. He joins us from Fox Footy, Tom Morris. Tommy, thanks for your time. Thanks, Kane. Thanks for having me. Um... Is this about the stage you get nervous if you've got a star player who's out of contract? <laughs> yes, it is. I think the buy round sort of acts as a lightning rod in a way, sort of a, a pivot point for clubs to start preparing for life without those players and other clubs to start attracting others. I mean, Harry, Harry Mathai is the, the, probably the best example in the AFL. He doesn't really want to talk about his contract at the moment. He doesn't really want to know what's coming for him. Um, mm. But the buy rounds will, uh, I guess, amplify the interest in him. And I think the longer it goes, the more Carlton will be concerned, although they're very confident at the moment. Uh, the other example is Adam Chera, who I'd be very surprised if he signed at all in the next few weeks. And I think there's a high likelihood that he'll look to come home at the end of the year, not because Fremantle, um, he doesn't like playing at Fremantle, he doesn't like his teammates. It's just purely a living situation. I'm told that the... That the Chera um, would come home if he does, just because he wants to live in Melbourne rather than Perth. So, yeah, this is a nervous time of the year for clubs, and it only gets more nervous. And they'll spin it at the end of the year, won't they? They'll say, oh, no, this is fine. We can get something good for these players. There's no doubt that Carlton want to keep hold of Harry. There's no doubt mm. that Freo want to keep hold of Adam. I and mean, that's why they offered Adam a four-year deal at more than $700,000 a year. So yeah. it's an interesting time for clubs, that's for sure. I did see your report during the week. It's been on the table for a long time, you said, from Fremantle. He hasn't got back to them. It's clear it's going to be a distraction. So their, their, their focus is to build their whole team around this young midfield. And they've got games into them. They've given them centre bounce experience. So to lose that after three, four, five years of development and so much resources into it is a massive blow. Then you've got to go again at the draft, which takes another three or four years. What, what clubs, um, I mean, Essendon would be... An obvious one is—is yeah. is there any others that are interested? At the moment, they're just all in a holding pattern, just waiting for, I guess, confirmation that Chera does want to come home, which hasn't come yet, and he could change his mind. He could easily stay mm. um, and sign that four-year deal. But I'm told that there's, a, there's clubs lining up for him, you know, and it won't just be Essendon. I'd imagine Carlton. What about Melbourne if they can fit him in? Um, what about Collingwood mm. as well? They're looking for midfielders, so I, there's going to be no shortage of suitors. If you remember draft night, I think it was four years ago when, when Chera was picked up, um, he, his family, those in the room, his family, I think more specifically um, his parents, were visibly upset that he was moving into state. And not right. because they didn't trust the Dockers or like Fremantle, they just wanted him mm. to stay at home in Melbourne. So there's that strong family pull that I think uh, is, is more likely than not to bring him back at the end of the year. All right, let's work through a couple of the others. Crips, only a matter of time. <clears throat> Yeah, only a matter of time with that. So that was the, the broad details of that uh, financial arrangement with Cripps and his management were ticked off by the Carlton board last Tuesday. Yeah, that's right, last Tuesday, so just just, uh, just over a week ago. Um, and there's still some finer details being worked through, but I expect that to be a four-year deal, which I guess gives Carlton and Cripps some flexibility towards the back end of his career as well. It's not quite 
a Petrarca, you know, sign on for life sort of deal. He'll be 30 when he comes out of contract. So he could still potentially move back to WA then. Carlton could potentially still trade him then. So it leaves a little bit of flexibility. But I'm surprised that it's taken this long to announce because it's sort of the worst kept secret now. But I guess there might be some really minor details to work through with his management, Matt Bain, and also Carlton Footy Club. Zach Merritt, how do you see this playing out? <laughs> I think he's more likely to stay, Kane. Right. Um, I think, I mean, Zach Merritt is highly motivated. Like, he, he, you could offer him $1.5 million a year at a club down the bottom of the ladder, and he wouldn't go. He wants to go to a club, if he does go, <clears throat> with, you know, a premiership, in the premiership window. Mm. He's been through a lot of Essendon, and I, I think what he was waiting for this year was for the Bombers to start playing some good footy to show him that he could potentially be a premiership player there, which is where he wants to be. Um, I don't think it's a financial thing. Essendon's got the money to keep him. They want to keep him. He wants to stay, but he just wants the proof in the pudding first. So club, don't, don't get me wrong, like Port Adelaide, Brisbane, um, Collingwood went after him last year. You know, they thought they could get him last year, but that was never going to happen because um, mm. they were tied up with other things as we know. <laughs> As we know, Melbourne foot, Melbourne. Sorry, something's in my throat. That's <laughs> Melbourne right, footy mate. club as well. Melbourne footy yeah, club as well. So, so there's all these clubs that, that would love him, but I do think that Essendon is in pole position because of how they've gone this year. Not in terms of the wins, but in terms of the way they're playing and the young players coming through. Yeah, they seem to be absolutely on the right track now. Selection at Melbourne, and we just spoke to Alex Neil Bullen about this. Ben Brown has been overlooked for Sam Wiedemann. Now, a lot of clubs need a key forward, including Collingwood. He's out of contract. The obvious interest will be there. But what's he worth? What's Sam Wiedemann worth? God, do I have to give you an answer now? We've got another 10 weeks of the year. I think Sam Wiedemann's worth worth a first-round pick. Um, Mm. His potential's so high, and he had a good year last year. He was just injured in the preseason. But I think he'd be worth a first-round. I mean, if Adam... It's hard to sort of compare year to year, but if, if Adam Saad is worth pick eight as a running halfback slash winger and, and, a, and a reasonable player and a good player, um, mm. then surely Sam Wiedemann's ceiling is higher and he'd be worth a first-round pick at the very least. Uh, Melbourne is still very confident they can keep him. I mean, the, the reality with Sam Wiedemann, though, is that if he plays the rest of the year, that he could really fatten his price up to become a, a, a star-studded trade target for other clubs as well. But I still think a bit like Merritt, that deal will get done. Melbourne is adamant they, they can keep him. And, um, but it won't stop a club like Collingwood coming after him. I mean, he fits Collingwood beautifully. He's got the family her- heritage as well. But I still, I still back Melbourne to keep him mm. um, yeah. when push comes to shove. Once again, Collingwood don't have a lot to give. I mean, they're, they're not no. stocked with first-round draft picks. We know that. Uh, last one from me, Jack Billings for Saints fans. Where, where's this one at, do you think? Yeah, I don't think the Saints are going to pay too much to keep Jack Billings. It doesn't mean they don't want him, but he's on a pretty good wicket now and because his last contract was pretty juicy. And I'm not sure that they're, as it stands right now, they're going to be willing to pay him seven hundred fifty or $800,000 a year or even $700,000 a year to hold on to him. Now, it doesn't mean they don't want him at $600,000 a year. Everyone's got a price. But I get a sense, I mean, Billings has put it off for the moment, but I get a sense that, um, if things don't quite go well for the Saints for the rest of the year, if another club comes for Billings and offers him a, a good long-term deal on good money, maybe a North Melbourne, for example, where Luke McDonald is his best mate who's just signed a five-year deal, um, and the Saints can get a first-round, believe they can get a first-round pick as compensation, then that could suit all parties. But 
there's still a long way to go in this one. And at the moment, everyone's just keeping their powder dry because Billings is playing some reasonable footy. The Saints aren't completely out of it. Um, he's a pretty classy, sort of polished, cherry-on-top type player. But I'm not sure he's quite the, the rolled gold star that they thought he'd be when they took him with pick, pick three in 2013. I mean, really, it, it, pick three in 2013 should be your best or your second best player now. And he's never finished... Mm. Um, he's never finished in the top three of a best and fairest, which I think it might make St Kilda balk at offering him a really juicy long-term deal. Mm, fair enough, too. Hey, mate, outstanding update. It's going to get fascinating as player movement becomes more prevalent. Um, a lot of ones on the agenda this year. You'll be all over it. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Kane. Have a good day, mate. Tom Morris from Fox Footy. You can check him out with all the... Yes, sir. Bet Deluxe, serious betting for serious punters. Download the new Bet Deluxe app today. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Uh, sometimes you need to shine a light on some unbelievable athletes doing extraordinary things that perhaps need a little bit more recognition. We're going to do that this morning with our next guest. He comes to us thanks to the Zero Plus Sports Beer, great tasting non-alcoholic beer, long-form triathlete Steve McKenna. Steve, thanks for your time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Let, let's go back to the start from you because you, you're doing crazy things at the moment, which I want to build into. I'm not sure where you find the time to do it and getting the training that is required to do what you are doing. But um, as a junior and as a, a youngster coming through, what sports were you into and how did you find yourself making your way to triathlon? I think I was um, into just about every sport. It was um, from Ross Trevor College in South Australia. It's, it's a big footy school, so it's compulsory. But every other sport... <laughs> Was um was always um being played as well, um, and that's probably why I was good for um long course triathlon sort of Ironman stuff because I've battered the body for um you know um, I don't know three hours a day or four hours a day every day as a kid, so I got used to it. Um, but yeah, running was the big one. It was always my big passion. Um, everyone knew um, that was what I actually cared about, and then yeah, I think it just got too much. At a junior competitive level, after you know kids burnout, that was me, and um, yeah, beers and mates and chasing girls became more important, along with uni. But mm. but yeah, that, then I found triathlon through a broken leg playing footy, and it kind of um, reawoke my love for endurance. And you know, it just makes you realise what you actually wanted to do. Um, you know, if you break the leg, you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm missing the div one. Apple um, grand final, but um, I actually just cared that I was missing the season today. So, so yeah, quit, <laughs> so quit footy. How, and how did the broken leg? How did the broken leg lead you to triathlon? Just, just through rehab, really. If they said, I said, what can I do? Cause I'm going crazy. It was about two weeks into this, um, fourteen weeks on crutches and a moon boot, and um, yeah, they just said you can tie your feet together and swim, and you can um, cycle stationary. So that's what I did, and. And then eventually, towards the end of that 14 weeks, went up a Norton Summit, a local climb, and um, the South Australian Institute of Sport, one of their coaches was there for cycling, and um, they ended up recruiting me after I followed one of them up the hill as hard as I could, just searching for something other than sitting on my ass. And yeah, um, did that for a bit and realised I could cycle, loved swimming, so thought I'll learn how to do it. Um, and yeah, just did my first triathlon, won it. And then decided I'd 
stop this law marketing pursuit and um, put it on hold um, that the studies that was. And yeah, just since then, 2015, um, I just chased triathlon with every bit of energy I've had. So we'll get to that in a sec, but you, you gained your pro license in 2016. What, what does a pro license mean? Uh, so you can get it by entering uh, like an Ironman race or long, you know, long course triathlon um, anywhere in the world. And if you get, I think you have to win the age group race overall, um, the amateur race that is, and you've, you've got to get within 10% of the winner's time or something like that. So I think out of a pro field of 30 that day, I was about 10th place, um, obviously being an amateur. Um, so, so anyway, that, that gained me the pro license um, in my first attempt. And then, and then I was talent identified by um, the Olympic Development Squad to join them um, for a short course triathlon um, instead of long course. But I got back for a bit, learned a lot. And, um, but I do like the long stuff, so I'm back there now and uh, trying to climb the world rankings. So when you say long form, that that's the full full Ironman. So the, the distances that I know you can do the half as well. But what what's your specialty? You like the longer one. I like the longer stuff, but the, I think the half Ironman is definitely my stuff. So you've got a, a 2K swim, 90K ride, and a half marathon. So yep. I'm, I'm at the point where it's, it's around 10 off the bike um, for a half marathon. Um, but with the full, it's, it, there's a lot more um, experience and endurance that comes into it and that strength that comes from a long time in the sport. So it's not my strength yet, but it probably will be. So how did last year, I guess your job involves traveling and trying to compete internationally as much as you can. How, how were you affected by everything last year? Uh, yeah, pretty massively. I, I, um, yeah, I was just out of, out of work, basically. So um, there was probably other people in more trouble than me because I was still working, studying, and had, I've still, still had a lot going on. Um, I've just pulled back on it all since 2015. And, um, we, a bit of racing came up around September last year and, and in Australia it seems like it'll continue so I just ended up going you know what I'm sick of half half asking this and I just quit the job pulled back on uni even more it's the longest degree on the planet it's a mm. you know a double degree that takes five years but I'm, I'm in eighth year or ninth year now because I'm just doing two subjects a year <laughs> but I've pulled back even further now and I'm winning every race so it's definitely it definitely works being a full time athlete. It's a risk, but um, one that I'm willing to lose. So yeah, well you, well, you almost have to. So Steve McKenna is a long form triathlete. How many hours are you training per week? So if we're getting into an Ironman build, it'd be about thirty hours a week, and yeah, so it was getting tough working around fifteen or twenty hours, and coaching a few athletes, um, studying law marketing. Um, trying, attempting to have a social life at least for two hours a week. <laughs> but, yeah, and you, you just, just don't sleep. And I guess dealing with injuries as well and rehab and, and all of that, and you've, you've got the latest one, or is it a stress fracture in your toe? No, I, I broke, I, I did a half um, Ironman um, probably six weeks ago, and I broke my toe coming out of the water, but it was, uh, it was a bit awkwardly broken, so the ligament on the bone that snapped off had a ligament attached to it, so it was also... Um, dislodged or whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, I ended up finishing the ride, finishing the run. Uh, I think I placed third in that race, but crossed the line and the blood kind of 
you know, rushed to the toe finally. Um, and then I realized something was wrong. So I've, I've been in the moon boot for the last five weeks with um, a pin holding like the bone and ligament together. So yeah, that's what I've been doing and I've gone a bit crazy, but luckily, luckily I had a good run of um, wins and podiums recently. So mm. I'm not, um, I'm not too stressed about, um, you know, financially, but um, it's, it's just been a mental battle, <laughs> you know. We're addicted to, tra- to training, so. Yes, you're mad. Thirty hours a week. Um, so, what's the long? What's the long goal for you? Well, what, what, where do you need to get to, and what are you destined and determined to to achieve? Um, I'm pretty set on trying to take it as far as I can in terms of being the world champ or or anything close to that. So, so yeah, I'm I'm a bit um, full on with how dedicated I get um, during. You know, a build towards a race, and and that's probably, you know, people say they're dedicated, but I think um, it shows if you win, if you're winning races, that um, you're probably the maddest. Um, and yeah, I think the blowouts that I have every now and then are just, just what I need with mates to um, to keep me focused. And, and then, now, alcohol-free beer is an option, so that's helping a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Well, absolutely, yeah. it is. I'm I'm on it as well. A magnificent for recovery, the zero plus sports beer. Um, mate, you you're a madman. You're a freak. You've run an hour ten for a half marathon after riding for ninety kilometres. Like uh, my personal best in a half marathon is one twelve. So you would smash me after ninety k's on the bike. You're a freak. I appreciate your story and your time, and good luck with everything <laughs> on the uh, uh, as we go on. We'll catch up with you, mate. Sounds good. Thanks for the interview. Steve McKenna is a long-form triathlete. They're built differently. They're wired differently. They're crazy, um, but they are drinking. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Seven minutes to 11 o'clock if you're on SENSA in Adelaide. It's 23 minutes past 10. Mark is on the line. You want to speak about the prison bars, Mark? Yeah, I was just wondering if uh, your mob are going to stir up uh, Eddie Maguire again this weekend. You guys get the win. Um, do you think you'll put the prison bar jumpers on? I doubt it. I don't have any insight in for you, Mark. I think there'll be... Oh, I mean, the players won't really care, but I think there'll be some extra sort of feeling in the game considering what's gone on, but I don't think we'll be seeing any stunts after the game. We'll wait and see. There is actually another controversy at the moment in relation to a Port Adelaide jumper. So they released their Indigenous jumper for Sir Doug Nichols' round. It was a competition that they opened up for the fans to submit some designs, and it has been revealed that the one they have chosen, they've now been accused of stealing someone else's design. So Elle Campbell, I think her name is, she posted on social media that it's actually her painting that she did um, about two years ago, and the club have... Well, someone has submitted her painting, which was successful, so the club have released a statement that they are investigating. So Port not having a great run with jumpers is what I'm trying to say. Michael's in Hawthorne. G'day, Mick. Hi, Kane. How are you going? Good, thank you. I'm just calling about uh, game Carlton Hawthorne, and do you think it's a job interview for, um, or, you know, a trial for Alastair Clarkson? I think I believe that Carlton have won... Only one of their last 18 games, and I think they need some tough life. I think Clarko could dish it out. I don't think Teague's capable of saying, you know, bring your mouth guards to training. Whereas Clarko, um, you know, I think he could get them up. They're paying $3.20, I think, and, and they're a good chance. Uh, I, well, it would be catastrophic for David Teague should he drop this game against Hawthorne at the MCG. 
tomorrow. I can't see it happening, and I hope it doesn't happen. But if it does, um, that'd be the team under the most pressure this weekend, I reckon, Michael. And it would be a massive story should Carlton happen to drop that one. Andrew is in. No, let's go to Michael, who wants to speak about some good things happening in the game. G'day, Mick. Kano. Two Michaels in a row. Far away. Um, I just, you know, you're not whinging today and all happy. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the draw that, you know, every home side gets uh, 10 home games in Richmond. You know, 10 home games at the MCG. How good is it? Well, they get more than 10. No, uh, home games. Our home games. 10 oh, home okay. games at the G. That's all so we you, get, Kano. So you're not sooking this week about having to move two no, kilometres away? So- I n- I never took Kano. Did you no, go to the game? Did, did, did you go to the game? No, I didn't. But I, why not? It doesn't matter. That's it. Why not? Because <laughs> I live, I live too far away, mate. To you get li- there what? every week. You, Can't you get live... there every week. Okay, righto. So you, you wouldn't go to Marvel over the MCG. Yeah, it's, it's it's astonishing. And for those that haven't heard it, Damien Hardwick couldn't back away from his comments any quicker on Wednesday, and I'm glad he did, but clearly the AFL had a word to him. Um, it's unbelievable the whinging out of Richmond this week. Could could not believe it. All credit to you. you. You're doing the winning and you win the premierships, but get the feeling Brisbane, who spent a fortnight in Melbourne through no fault of their own, are just sitting back going, hang on, Richmond are complaining about being moved to an indoor stadium that's two kilometres away. They can still sleep in their own beds. They can still drive their own cars. They don't have to get on a bus. They don't have to get on a plane. And they still get to play at home. And they get 14 other games at the MCG. It is one of the most extraordinary things. It's it, Whinging round was last week, okay? So I've done my bit. But it was one of the most extraordinary things I've ever witnessed from a football club who is pretty happy with themselves. And perhaps getting a little bit too big for their own boots is all I would say. And I reckon the AFL... Well, I would assume that there's been a couple of phone calls this week, and rightly so. Andrew's in Sydney. G'day, Andrew. G'day, Kane. How are you? Good, mate. Uh, very fortuitous uh, call, that one from Michael just then. Um, because I'm here, uh, I'm ringing in because I think that I need to shine a light on something which might be the most sensational story of all of the AFL, if it's correct. Hit me. And that is that I believe you are the Kim Philby of the Richmond Football Club. I think you are a secret agent working for Richmond. Every year since 2017, you come up at this time to stick the dagger into Richmond, <laughs> to wind them up, to, to uh, make allegations that they're gone. Except for 2018, I think you backed them that year because you I don't so think I've said. I don't win. think. I don't think I've said they're gone on field at any stage this year. I think. Mark Robinson. Okay. I've got evidence because your father played 317 games for the Bay Tigers. I think you've got <laughs> yellow and black blood coursing in your veins. You're deeply embedded in South Australia. And not only that, but last week, no one noticed it, but you, when you named your best captains, you named Trent Cochin behind Joel Selwood. Third. And Marcus Bontempelli. Yep. Marcus Bontempelli. And that was a subtle stiletto stab no, it under wasn't. the ribs of the had to, You had to read. I've got to go because I've got to wind you down. And I had to Google who Kim Philby was. He was a British intelligent agent. He was born in 1912. So for those wondering who that was, you had to read the fine print on Cochin. At the moment, he's the third best captain because he doesn't play.
is my point. But appreciate your comedy, Andrew. Plenty more coming up in the last hour. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Big last hour coming up. We're going to speak some NBA with our man Trevor Lane from Los Angeles. And we're also going to have the quiz and Scotty Burns will join us before we leave this morning. Um, did anyone watch the basketball yesterday? Did anyone, I mean, LeBron James, like absolute greatness and shot the three-pointer to basically win it from the car park or the grandstand. It was an unbelievable performance. But did anyone see him carry on prior to that? He got hit in the face by Draymond Green, who went up for... You know, it, was, it, was a, it was a solid foul. It was a solid contest at the basket. LeBron James hit the deck, and he stayed down for a good 30 seconds. He had uh, his four teammates around him making sure he was okay, and then went to the bench. He was complaining he couldn't see, got the eye drops in, came back, and shot the free throws and got them both in and then moments later um, had the match winner. I've not seen an athlete carry on like this. I know I had some comments about Patrick Dangerfield and, and credit to Patrick Dangerfield. He's got a lot better in that space. But gee whiz, he carried on yesterday. And I'm not sure he's doing his legacy any good, albeit he's going to go down as, if not the greatest, the second greatest of all time. So let's get our next guest on. Because he knows it better than us. He's a massive LeBron man. He's a big LA man. Senior writer for Lakers Nation. His name is Trevor Lane. Trevor, thank you for your time. Oh, no problem. Thank you so much for having me on. Jeez, he was carrying on, wasn't he, yesterday? I, 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 and we'll get to the greatness of it and what he did and, and how unbelievable he is. But has he got a history of this? And what's the reaction online been to LeBron James's theatrics yesterday? Oh, I mean, my my goodness, people were, were, I mean, completely in awe of what we saw out of LeBron yesterday with hitting that shot, especially in a game where he looked mostly diminished. It looked like he was indeed struggling still with that ankle injury. It looked like he was not 100%, not fully himself. But then to come up big when the game mattered, when it, everything was on the line, uh, you know, a last-second shot as the shot clock is winding down to hit that, to put the Lakers ahead and ultimately secure the win, Absolutely incredible stuff. I mean, those are the kinds of plays that superstars make. And, you know, Steph Curry made a number of incredible shots mm. as well. He was he was incredible. But uh, LeBron's big shot, I think, is, is going to be the, the defining moment from that game that we're all going to look back and remember and just, just shake our heads because we can't believe he was able to hit that one. Wouldn't the NBA be loving it? I mean, this playing tournament, um, I mean, it was fortunate that you got two superstar players, two great teams through, I guess, injury this year that have found themselves in this position, but it was a great endorsement for the new playing tournament. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. There's there's no way the playing tournament is going anywhere at this point because of what we just saw. I mean, that was, from the, from what I saw on the press release earlier today, that's the highest-rated game period the NBA has had since 2019, wow. which, I mean, is, is by itself unbelievable. But, you know, it's a, it's a one-off game, almost a do-or-die type situation, and so that's going to create some extra hype. And then the fact that it's the Warriors and the Lakers, you know, two of the most popular teams in the league, uh, it was a perfect storm for the NBA, and it created a ratings bonanza, and it's certainly a shot in the arm that the league needed. So 
I don't see this this play in tournament going anywhere. It's created a whole lot of discussion, even outside of the Lakers and Warriors, just around all of the other teams in the league. It's created an extra element of strategy in terms of playoff positioning. I think that it's frustrating for teams that are in the seventh seed or in the eighth seed that felt like they should have just been in the playoffs to begin with and shouldn't have to, you know, fight again to win their spot. Mm-hmm. But for the league as a whole, I think it's been a very, very positive thing, and I, I think it's going to stay around for a while. So your Lakers are going to now face the Phoenix Suns and Chris Paul and this young group that he is leading who have been a remarkable story in itself. But it's not ideal for the Suns, is it? Probably the last team they'd want to play in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, the, the Suns were certainly, and Suns fans were, were hoping that the Warriors would win and they would get to see the Warriors, or they were hoping you know that they would have been able to move up to the the first seed that Utah would have lost on the last game of the season, or that Denver would have beat Portland, and that would have pushed the Lakers up to the sixth seed. They were hoping to avoid the Lakers uh, for matchup reasons. The Lakers do match up pretty well with the Suns, and also just because of you know, the experience that the Lakers offer. That's the one thing when you're looking at the Suns roster that they don't really have outside of, of, say, Chris Paul and maybe a guy like Jay Crowder. They don't have a whole lot of guys who have playoff experience. And the Lakers, on the flip side, are a very, very experienced playoff team. So that's going to be a, a challenge for the Suns to try to overcome. And uh, like I said, I think this is this is the matchup they were hoping to not get. But again, I, I, my impression of the Lakers right now is they're, they're not quite at 100%. So mm. could be the Suns are catching them at the right time, too. It's going to be an interesting series for sure. Well, it is, and it's an interesting season. Is, is it? Fair to say it's as wide open as it's been in a number of years. So you've got the Jazz, who are the best home and away team. You've got the Suns, the Nuggets. I know they've got some injuries, but Jokic is in great form. You've got the Clippers in and around it as well. Then you've got the the Nets, the 76ers and the Bucks, all with a realistic shot with your Lakers. So wide open, Trev, would you say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely is. It's, there's... You know, there's betting favorites, certainly, and, you know, the Brooklyn Nets are absolutely up there. They're, I think they're the top team right now in terms of what people, the team people think is going to come through it all. But there's a number of teams out there that has a, that have a legitimate shot to win the NBA championship. And that's, that's a great thing for the, for the league as a whole to be able to enter the playoffs with this air of mystery and have a number of different possible outcomes where, where you've got a lot of teams that feel very good about their chances of winning an NBA championship. So I think it's going to create a very, very exciting and very unpredictable postseason. Mm. How do you see uh, who would be your early tip? I mean, I, I'm I'm certainly biased. I'm going to lean towards the Lakers because of their their championship experience. But you know, the Clippers, I think, maybe have been playing the best basketball in the Western Conference lately. Obviously, their their last few games where they where they tanked in order to get outside of the Lakers bracket aside. Uh, that's a team that has shot the, shot the ball so, so well all season, 42% from three on the year. I think they are going to be a very tough out for anybody. And then in the East, you've got those top three. You've got the, the Brooklyn Nets. You've got the Philadelphia 76ers. And, and then, of course, the Milwaukee Bucks. Any of those teams could legitimately win the NBA championship could they get through. And then, I mean, the Western Conference has so much depth as well. So there's, there's any number of teams there. But I'm going to give the slight edge to the Lakers just because of that championship experience and if LeBron James and Anthony Davis get anywhere close to 100%, it's hard to pick against that duo. All right, mate. Well, it's a fascinating season. Can't wait to see how it plays out. Your Lakers are still alive, mate, and they'll do some damage. Appreciate it, Trevor. 
Hey, no problem. Thanks so much for, for having me on. And uh, this is going to be an exciting postseason. So hopefully we've got uh, some more Lakers basketball to talk about soon. Absolutely. Trevor Lane from L.A. He's a senior writer for Lakers Nation. It was an amazing game. I watched every minute of it yesterday. And LeBron's comments after the game, I mentioned Oh, geez, he carries on now. Trev, did, Trev didn't want to buy into that because he's a he's a big LeBron man, clearly, and for obvious reasons. But gee, was he carried on? He said he was seeing three rims out there after after he got the finger in the eye. He says I was literally seeing three rims out there. I just shot for the middle one, which did take me back, and I tweeted about this to my favourite sports movie of all time. It's Rocky Four when Rocky says I was seeing three of them out there, and the trainer says hit the one in the middle. And the other trainer, Duke, says, right, hit the one in the middle. One of the great movies, Rocky. He's uh, in all sorts against Drago and comes back and wins as only Rocky can win. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Who's an athlete that just carries on a little bit too much? Happy to take your calls on that. Ryan's on the road. Hi, Ryan. Got you there, no, Ryan? You. Yeah, get that one. How are you going? I'm good. You're on the air. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, fine. Trainer. Listen, I, I just want to thank you for your support, man, and for your services for Richmond Football Club. In our weekend, the caller before 11 o'clock break was spot on. You know, he's onto something, I reckon. You know, every time you put Richmond down, they just somehow find a way to, you know, get back to their best game. You know, Cochin, you, you know, Cochin being the third best captain in the league, you know. Uh, yeah, of course, he doesn't get 25, 26, 30 disposals like other guys do. But um, when it matters most, Mike, that's when he steps up. You know, so, uh, I, I think, to- I think, being to be fair, um, Trent Cochin isn't the best captain in the game. Like he just doesn't play enough to be the best captain in the game. Now, if I'm sure you've been a bit, bit smart here, I'm sure you didn't read the column, and I'm sure you didn't read the comments that I made about Trent Cochin saying that for a long period of time, in recent times, he has been the best captain in the game. But due to his, his body, due to his form and his lack of impact when he has played, I don't see him as the best captain in the game right now. And I think Marcus Bontempelli has gone past him. I still think Joel Selwood is the most inspirational captain in the game. And I said that Bontempelli may take over Selwood's mantle by the end of the year. But being the third best captain out of 18 is still a pretty good endorsement for a player who's done it for a long, long time. Thank you for your call, though. You can have your say. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the number. Um, I thought the media moment of the week was this from our very own Gary Lyon. I think this was from Wednesday, responding to an article that the chief football writer of the Herald Sun, Mark Robinson, had written about Triple M's culture back in the day and allegations of bullying. Let's just see this for what it is. This is Robinson doing some point scoring. And well, some clickbait and, you know, I, I, let me let me be a hero and try and put the, these boys back in their box. Uh, he, his track record around mental health is dangerously appalling, this bloke. His track record is horrendous. So he sits on his couch and makes his medical diagnosis on depression and his first reaction is, ah, has he really got it? I've experienced it. He went on Alex for solo and said, this, this poor kid who's going through his suicidal thoughts and his response is, oh, good drugs, clinical depression on Tuesday, training on Thursday. Don't talk to me about bullying. Don't talk about bullying. And he knows I've spoken to him about this. He's a slow learner. In fact, he hasn't learned at all. So fair enough. I absolutely accept what he said. I accept. I- I'm not interested in buying into a feud. I've, 
I don't need another feud. I, I'm not interested in that. What I what I am interested in is the calls that came after. So I went back and listened. I was on air at the time on, on SENSA and a lot of calls were saying, well, the media's role in the mental health of the players and um, the detrimental effects that it have is, is significant. What I would say is every job has some negatives behind it. One negative aspect of playing AFL football is that it's highly scrutinised and with it comes some criticism. Now, I think most commentators try to not be personal with it and uh, certainly at times I will be critical of players. It is about the action. It's not about the person. So, for example, if, if Patrick Cripps misses four handballs in a game under no pressure that he should hit, I will say Patrick Cripps needs to be better and at the moment when he's got the footy in his hands, he has been a bit of a liability. That doesn't mean I don't fully respect Patrick Cripps. doesn't mean that I don't think he's a great person and a good leader. You criticise the action, not the person. And I'm sure for those listening, your job has some negative aspects behind it. Mine does. I don't like working seven days a week. If I, if I don't like being away from the kids, but I love what I do, it has some negative aspects. Playing footy for me, I hated game day. I woke up with the sick feeling in my stomach when I was a fireman. I hated sitting around twiddling my thumbs, not doing too much. There are aspects of everyone's job that they don't like. Now, one of those, if you put your hand up to be an AFL footballer, who's no one is forcing players to do that, is some critique, some criticism, some adulation when it comes, um, and that is part of the role. So I, I don't buy into the fact that the media shouldn't be critical of players because of the detrimental effects that it can have on mental health is, is what I wanted to say on that. And I'm interested in your thoughts, one three hundred seven three six seven three six because there was a lot of callers saying, well, if a player dives, what are the media doing calling them out for diving? Well, of course we're going to. We're, we're paid to have an opinion and critique the team's performances, coaches, players, all sorts of things. But I'm interested in the role that the media have on the back of those comments from Gary Lyon. Time now, though, for our man from Bet Deluxe. Bet Deluxe. Serious betting for serious punters. Betdeluxe.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Paul Sebastiani from Bet Deluxe. Download the new Bet Deluxe app today. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. Paul, thanks for your time again. No worries, Kane. How are you? Who wins tonight? Now, this is a very tight game, yeah. Brisbane Lions versus Richmond. But the market siding with the Lions here, Kane, of Bet Deluxe, $1.37 for Brisbane. They've been a $1.45 in, and there's been good money for Brisbane at the line as well. So minus 17.5 is $1.90 in favour of the Lions. And the plus 17.5 for Richmond is at $1.90 as well. So all the money with the Lions thus far. Jeez, I don't think I've ever seen Richmond at $3.08 in quite a while, mm. Kane. No, I can't remember either. Not that I follow it as closely as what you day. Hey, mate, racing is hotting up over the weekend. What do you got for us? We've got Doombin Cup, so Group 1 racing up there in Queensland where Azaki is the favourite, but we've got a little Bet Deluxe special on offer here. We've got four bucks deluxe odds available for Zaki, so that's race seven, number five at Doombin. Max bet of $25 there, but we've also had good money for the uh, 2020 Cox Plate winner in that race, Sir Dragonette, who's a $4.50 elect, and the All-Star Mile winner, Mugatu, goes around in the race as well at $4.80. So race seven at Doombin is a Doombin Cup. Going to be a hot one with Bet deluxe.com.au this weekend as well because if you're on second or third at Flemington, Rose Hill or Doombin Kane, it's money back in bonus bets up to 50 bucks. And as you said, don't forget to download the brand new Bet Deluxe app. Makes your punting adventure with us faster and easier, Kane. 
There you go. That's what you are all about. Hey, mate, enjoy the footy over the weekend, the racing, and we will chat to you next week. Check them out. Uh, good friends of ours, the best in the business. Bet Deluxe, they're serious betting for serious punters. And download, as Paul said, the new Bet Deluxe app. As always, though, gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. Get to Brandon, Nando, Dan and Steve. But we've got to catch up with all things happening at the Melbourne Rebels. The Rebels versus the Hurricanes. It's on tonight and you can watch it on Stan Sport. Tony Nolan is our guest this morning. Tommy, thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks for having me. How is your first season going at the Rebels? They tell me you've made a big impact. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been a crazy uh, sort of first crack at uh, Super Rugby this year with the Rebels. Um, and looking back on it, I wouldn't expect to be where I am now, but now you sort of get the taste for it and you want to you want to do more. So that's sort of where I'm at, at the moment. Who's taking you under their wing? Um, we've had a few senior locks at the club. Um I was lucky enough to room with uh, Steve Cummins in Canberra when we were sort of away from Melbourne during COVID. And he's a classy player that's sort of done a fair bit around the world. He was over in Wales for a while and um, Ross Haylett-Petty as well. Um, the sort of guys that have been there and done it before that are really good to uh, learn off. So, yeah, probably those two. Now your role is a physical one, so the so the lock. What, what what's your required to do? I guess your role in pushing against the front row, I guess, and using your power and your strength to take us through exactly what you're required to do and how tough and physical it is. Yeah, I mean the the lock role is one that's sort of based around in rugby you call it the set the set piece. So your scrums and your lineouts are your two main things at set piece time. Um, so in the scrum, it would be you pack down behind the props, the front three behind the scrum, and you're sort of right in the thick of it there. So it's about your strength and being able to maintain, um, a, you know, a tight position for a long for an extended period of time. Um, and then when you look at the athleticism required for uh, line-out time, you look at guys like Trevor Hosea, who they're they're big and tall, but they can still you can still bounce and jump quickly and move across the ground and cover space. So that's the sort of lock role at set piece time. And what's required in the gym to prepare you for that and, and at training? Well, I mean, we've got a good, uh, really good S&C program that you cover a whole lot of, you know, your, your basic stuff like squat, bench and that sort of stuff, but it also extends into finding power in awkward positions. So, you know, certain times in the scrum, you might find yourself tucked and it, it'll work hard out of the position without taking a step back and obviously in a scrum you take a step back and you can lose the ball just like that so um, some sort of exercises and they call it butcher's school where you go through you know finding power and finding strength in positions that aren't just your typical squat or deadlift sort of positions you you might be tucked up or one leg is in a good position to push off and the other one's not other things like that. Tommy Nowlin from the Melbourne Rebels joining us this morning. Now, they tell me you're a bit of a bright spark. You, you're one of the smartest operators at the club, Tommy. You, you're in the engineering at uni, I believe. You've graduated from that. Um, so off the field, you, you're keeping busy as well. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm the brightest spark at times, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, no. I did um, finish my studies in 2019 and was working uh, actually in Sydney, back in Sydney for um, a company called John Holland. Um, just as one of their graduate engineers. So I was lucky enough to 
have that experience for three years sort of while I was at uni and transitioned out of that um, mm. and was playing for Randwick at the same time at a club in Sydney and sort of, you know, so finishing the studies and getting this opportunity down here sort of all fell into place at the right time for me. You know, I wasn't too far gone in a career that was too late to come back to rugby and I was still really aspirational. So I'm pr- pretty lucky in that respect with the Rebels. Good on you, mate. You've made a big impact in your first season. Big things on the horizon for you. We appreciate your time this morning. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. Tommy Nowlin from the Melbourne Rebels. They take on the Hurricanes live from New Zealand at 5-8-5-8-5-8. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. It's time for Chad's Brothers Quiz. Well, North Melbourne take on Essendon this weekend, which provided us with a memory and one of the all-time great comebacks in 2001. So, great comebacks, the topic of the quiz this morning. Luke is in Sandringham. G'day, Luke. Morning, Tano. How many goals did Matthew Lloyd kick in that game where the Bombers came down from 69 points to win in 2001? Nine. He did kick nine. Well played. Ashley McGrath completed the miracle on grass against Geelong in 2013. What number did he wear for the Lions? Same again, nine. Yes. Got a theme here. You're on fire. The biggest ever comeback from three-quarter time was 45 points in 1995. The Brisbane Bears trailed Hawthorne. They came back to win by how many points? Any hints? Oh. Not yet. Uh, let me come back and say seven. Oh, you're kidding. Is that a guess? 100% guess. I was going to say nine going off the field. <laughs> might be a bit obvious. I thought you might. Well, this is unbelievable scenes here on the captain's run this morning. Two questions away from the win. Which Carlton player kicked four goals to lead his team to a 44-point comeback against the Pies? after coming off the bench in the second half of the 1970 Grand Final. Going back a while here. Oh, any hints there? I know. Nah, you're too good. His name? Ted? Ted what? Ted. Um, Three. Oh, I'm looking at him, man. Jumped on there. Two. One. Hey, you've done some great work. I'll put you back to Benny. You can have a, a ticket to the State of Origin because you're that good. You got us off to a good start. Dean in Elwood. Uh, which Carlton player kicked four goals off the bench in the 1970 Grand Final? Well, he's done all the heavy lifting, Kane. Ted Hopkins, I'm a Carlton It fan. was Ted Hopkins. Well done. Uh, what a performance. Last one for the win, Dino. North Melbourne led Adelaide by 24 points with nine minutes left in 2013. Who kicked the winner for the Crows in that game? In when, 2013? 2013 against North oh. Melbourne. North Modra? led by 24 points. Nah, 2013. Modra was long gone by then. Dino, thanks for your input into the show, though. Mick's on the line. G'day, Mick. Okay. Um, so do you want the question again? Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I've, I just uh, just missed that one. It was something about um, okay. so, the winner for so North, North Melbourne, wasn't it? Yeah, so North Melbourne led Adelaide by 24 points. It was at Marvel Stadium with nine minutes left in 2013. They're 24 up with nine minutes to go. Who kicked the winner for the Crows in that game? 
Tex Walker. It's a good, reasonable guess, an obvious guess, but it wasn't Tex Walker. Chris. Hi, Chris. Hey, how you going? Who was it? Um, bloody hell. Um, that's a tough one. <laughs> Name a Crows player no, from no. that era. Have a guess. Um, Eddie Betts? Wasn't Eddie Betts? No, it wasn't, but it was a reasonable guess. Matt is in uh, Richmond. Hi, Matt. Um, would it be Jenkins? Wasn't Josh Jenkins. Daniel's also in Richmond. Welcome to the quiz, Daniel. How are you going? Good, mate. Do you want the answer or do you want the question, I should say? Um, was it Sam Kerridge? Wasn't Sam Kerridge, but there's a blast from the past and a good, good guess. Uh, Baz. Hi, Baz. Yeah, hi. Um, any clues? Um, not yet, Baz, but name a Crows player from that era. You've been with a shot, probably uh, Ford. Dangerfield? Wasn't Dangerfield. Had he gone to Geelong by then? He may have. Um, Kylie is on the line. Hi, Kylie. Hello. Kyle, sorry. Sorry, Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. Uh, was it Sean McKernan? It wasn't Sean McKernan. Jeez, we're whipping through these Crows players. It was at Marvel Stadium. I believe it was a soccer goal, if that helps. Anthony. Hello, Anthony. Yeah, g'day, Kano. Was it um, Paul Pleasure? No, but that was also a good guess. Nathan is in Adelaide. Surely Nathan in Adelaide knows the answer to this. Hi, Nathan. Nathan? Hello. You're on, mate. Who kicked the winner for the Crows against North in 2013 where they came back from 24 points down with nine minutes left? Was it Jared Petrenko? It was Jared Pup Petrenko. There you go. We have a winner for the Crows this morning. It was hard work. Happy days to you, Nathan. I'll put you back to Benny. He'll sort you out with a double pass to the State of Origin at the MCG Wednesday the 9th of June. We're still... Uh, Going to hear from Scott Burns, of course, he's taking on Melbourne. He's a Collingwood legend. We'll ask him about Collingwood and whether he keeps an eye on all the happenings at his old club, but we'll also ask him how the Crows plan on beating the undefeated Melbourne tomorrow and what has impressed him and the Adelaide coaching staff about what Melbourne have done so far this year and their preparations for that. If you're heading to the Bulldogs and the Saints game at Marvel, I'll be there tomorrow with Mickey Barlow and Sam Hargraves. You can download the SEN app. You can hit SEN Stadium. You'll get play-by-play, no delay. The call of the game, it's uh, revolutionary technology that has uh, changed the game for those in the stadium. Just click on SEN Stadium on the SEN app, but remember to take your AirPods or your headphones. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We've still got some prizes to give away this morning for those of you that want to get involved in the conversation Appreciate all the texts this morning as well. There's been a truckload of those. A lot of frustrated people on the text screaming at me that it's Jared Petrenko. Fortunately, that doesn't work. Um, but thank you for all of those of you out there texting in in all caps saying it's bloody Petrenko. Um, so it's still got some about two doubles to give away to the State of Origin. Dwayne Russell up after 12 o'clock as well. And don't forget the best call of the footy AFL Nation from 6 o'clock tonight. It is Brisbane taking on Collingwood. Um, so listen out for that and the best coverage of the footy over the weekend. If you're just joining us, we caught up with Alex Neil Bullen earlier on in the show as well, and he was a ripping chat. But coming up next, Scotty Burns from the Adelaide Football Club. 
Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.